friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Okay, Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is the stuff of legend. The two most storied franchises in the history of the National Hockey League. A rivalry over 100 years in the making. Well over 800 all-time meetings. The type of rivalry that not only makes you pick sides, but pick a sweater. It has stood the test of time. Fans have huddled around the radio to listen. They've watched in black and white, color, and now on this thing called a tablet, or 75-inch LEDs that weigh one-tenth of what those first colored TVs did. We waited. We have waited. The country has waited 42 long years just to see them finally face each other in the playoffs. And we've been treated to a series that, though it took a while to get going, has been a roller coaster of emotions featuring two straight stirring comebacks and two straight overtime wins. And tonight, the Leafs and Habs meet in a winner-take-all Game 7. This is exactly what everyone would have hoped for going in. The Leafs have the chance to kill two birds with one stone, the Ghosts and Les Glorieux. The winningest franchise in the history of hockey, 24 Stanley Cup banners and years of playoff failure can all come to an end tonight. The chance to silence not only Habs fans, but also the past. And yet find me a Leaf fan that is enjoying this in any way, shape, or form. They're all pulling their hair out. They look like me. Jesse, help me out. You're born and raised. Toronto area boy. Do you know... Representing Thornhill. Yeah. Do you know of any Leaf fan that will enjoy this Game 7, or are they already in their own heads? Not a single. I haven't run into really a single Leaf fan that will enjoy or is pretending like they're going to enjoy tonight. <laughs> like, literally not, not, literally not a single one. Because they're thinking, why are we here? Why are we in Game 7? We had two opportunities, and we blew it. And right. now, the ghosts of playoffs passed. It says it right there. Mm-hmm. That's what you're thinking. Or behind you. Going in, Or behind me. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're going into it with a defeatist attitude if you're a Leaf fan. Um, write us if you're not because you would be It feels like. We minority. should almost put it on the poll. Yeah. Are, if you're a Leafs fan, are you enjoying tonight? Yes or no? And don't say if you win. Yeah. <laughs> okay? I think you'll enjoy it. If yeah, because yeah. if you win. Like not one Leaf fan <laughs> on our morning meeting said that they would enjoy the game. Every Montreal fan said that they would. Now, I guess most Leaf fans have never heard of the phrase self-fulfilling prophecy. My favorite personification of all this angst is the analytics guy. Dom Lucician at The Athletic. Dom at The Athletic. Counter of numbers. User of logic to attempt to predict the hard to predict. Tweeted, and I quote, If you told me before the series Campbell would have a 937 save percentage and a higher one than Price, the Leafs would outshoot the Canadians 205 to 175, the Leafs would outscore the Canadians 17-11, and the series would still go seven games, 
I would say yes, that all makes sense because this team is cursed. Even the analytics guys are saying this team is cursed. I was once told, judge the song, not the artist. No chance here. Everyone is judging the artist, and they have taken a step back from the song. Like, it, it makes no logical sense until you factor in the past, right? No logical sense. And a lot of it in this series has been timing. Like, the Canadians have gotten out to better starts. Yeah. In the first period, they were all over the Leafs. And that, you just felt the momentum basically for 50 minutes of that hockey game in game six. It was dominated by the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, but the overtime was dominated by the Toronto Maple Leafs. No one's talking about that. Yeah, dominated. Yeah, because Carey Price. had one shot on goal before <laughs> KK scored the game winner. You want to talk about Carey Price now or later? Uh, let's yes. save it for our breakdown yeah. of what we're about to see. For sure. Like, I, I get it. I kind of get it. The Habs were feeling the heat, too. They haven't won a playoff series or a first round playoff mm -hmm. series mm -hmm. in six seasons but they're the ones who came back they're the ones who forced this game game seven and the Leafs core group well they have had a chance to eliminate their postseason opponents six times over the last four seasons and they are 0-6 in those games so I get why Leaf fans are pooping their pants right now but it might be the very reason why we love sports so damn much. The extremes are what make it all worthwhile. Leaf fans are so worried about what happens if they lose, they can't even imagine what happens if they win. <laughs> like, if they win tonight, this very thing causing all the angst and anxiety could be looked at as the very thing that allowed them to get over the hump and propel them beyond the past. This could be an exorcism of the demons of playoff pass, the catalyst for something bigger than finally just getting past the first round. This could be the Caps down 0-2, going to double overtime, first round against Columbus. You don't think every Caps fan was thinking, oh, here we go again. Then they get a Lars Eller goal off his shin pads, off Zach Wierenski's shin pads, and instead of being down 3-0 and probably out, Alexander Ovechkin's a winner, and he's doing laps in a fountain. I repeat, Alexander Ovechkin was going to be the loser who scores a lot of goals. Then he's the winner doing laps in a fountain after two shim pads and a goal in overtime. 2011 first round. Bruins down 2-0 to the aforementioned Habs. Bees win three straight. They lose game six in overtime. Context. Boston hadn't won a cup. Since 1972, they had two series wins in 10 years, despite 300-point teams and a 116-point team that lost in the second round two years prior. They go to overtime against Carey Price and win. And win. And win. And win one more. They take home Lord Stanley's chalice. All I'm saying is you never know how it turns out. The maybe parable. Maybe these last two losses set the leaps up for the ultimate humiliation. That's what Leaf fans are playing out in their mind. Or maybe this is exactly what they needed. Maybe this is exactly what they needed to show what they're made of. And that's what makes sports so good. Like, speaking of Boston, you think the Cubs and the Red Sox celebrations are as good if they don't have to wait to win? Of course not. It's a part of the damn lore. If they weren't tortured along the way, it's not near as special. 
It's just the Miami Marlins. But no, talk to a Red Sox fan down 3 nothing to the New York Yankees in 2004. The Yanks led the game by a run. Game four, up 3 nothing. had Mariano Rivera on the mound. 86 years in the making. Now look back. Now look back. Now imagine if you could enjoy it as if it were brand new. If you were a long-suffering Red Sox fan and you knew the outcome and you could watch it brand new, you wouldn't be able to wipe the smile off. Hell, just look at the Toronto Raptors. How many of the same fans pooping their pants after a game one loss in the first round of the Orlando Magic said, ah, here we go again. Raptors can't win a first round game. Number one, come chips and dip later. Same people saying, I knew it all along with a huge grin on their face. I don't know, two million of them downtown acting like they knew the whole time. This kind of stuff is why we're all sports fans. So do Uncle Timmy a favor. Habs and Leaf fans alike, try and enjoy the greatest rivalry hockey has to offer. An old football coach once said, what counts in sports is not the victory, but the magnificence of the struggle. Enjoy the magnificence of this struggle. Unless, of course, your team brings Kool-Aid to the keg party. In that case, fire away. Because we're going to have it. No matter how this ends, no matter what franchise loses tonight, people are going to be firing. And listen, that might not be just a, uh, a term. It might be a literal term. Jesse, when's it proper to have, like, I know that there is heat on a lot of people. Yeah. And I know that there's heat on in Montreal. And if they end up losing, there might be some rewriting history on how this went down. Also, if the Leafs lose, I mean, when's it proper to have that conversation? Because there are a lot of people already having it. I think the difficulty, and you just did a great job showing the, illustrating how amazing it is when fan bases who wait for so long finally get over the hump. Right. But I think what Leaf fans are struggling now with now is they have this team that ostensibly over the last five seasons, this is the fifth playoff series now with this core group that they have. Mm-hmm. This team is supposed to be the deepest, the most talented. Correct. And the team that should get over the hump. The last four times have been the patience. You have been waiting to try and get over the hump. Man, and now, I, I've been if here every you don't... Year. I've, I've been here every year. There hasn't been much patience, but I get your point. Yeah, but the, the point is that they're trying... They reworked this entire team yes, for this moment. Exactly. And, around and then, the young core. And then you have to ask the tough questions. Are you going to make a franchise-altering change? Because right. that's all you're left with now. That's all you're left with. You've used every other bullet that you have in the chamber. Right. There's nothing else to do. And that's the question you're going to have to ask yourself if you're a Leaf management or a Leaf fan. If you wake up Tuesday morning and they lost the game. So game seven, it feels like, and you kind of touched on this, it feels like starts. Yeah. Game five, Habs jump out, mm-hmm. 3 nothing lead. Leafs are able to climb back, force overtime, lose. Yeah. Game six, Habs jump out to a 2 nothing lead. Mitch Marner says after, can't start like that. It feels like, and listen, the numbers suggest the same thing. They got their hats on. They're ready to go. <laughs> if you go down one nothing, in first team to score wins almost 80% of the time in a game seven. 100% in agreement with how important the first goal is, especially with Leaf fans coming off of the loss right. in game six. I think you still have this dread 
this this overarching feeling that yeah, but the oh players don't have the same dread as the players. I, that's that's the one thing. Like I want to get into the room, yeah, yeah. ask the guys that are going to join us. The the fans have this dread because they've lived it since 1967. The players have only lived the last few years, but that last few years is 0 for 6 right. chances to eliminate other teams. So maybe that's creeping into their psyche there. And then you have to look at, at the Stars. I mean, the reality of the situation is the Stars for the Leafs have not performed the right. way that they should have. Yeah. And Matthews, you can make the argument that it just puck luck hasn't gone his way. He leads the Leafs in shots and hits. His shooting percentage is like 3.1%. Yeah. But Mitch Marner, at some point, if you're a Leaf fan, you have to expect this guy to score in the playoffs. He hasn't scored in 17 playoff games. 17 playoff games. Yeah. And right now, to me, it looks like, honestly, he looks like he's a golfer and he's got a little bit of the yips when he's, when he's in front of the net and, and his, his unwillingness to shoot. It's, uh, it's interesting. If Matthews was scoring a ton of goals, no one would care about Marner. Totally. But Marner is not scoring. Matthews is not scoring. They have a total of one through six Crazy. games. They had yeah. 61 combined in the regular season. All right. There are a ton of keys to this game. Mm -hmm. We've got a ton of guests lined up, and we will bounce through all of them. I have full lists of stuff that I want to get to <laughs> with everyone. And Jesse came with some fire off the top, so we already got you set. Here's the lineup news for you. Dominic Ducharme hinting that the Habs would be going with the same lineup for game seven as they had for game six. Meanwhile, bad news for the Leafs this morning as Sheldon Keefe announced Jake Muzzin, who has been integral, will be out three weeks with a lower body injury suffered on Saturday. Rasmus Sandin draws in for Muzzin. All right, so here we are, game seven. And for me, for a lot of people, it just kind of feels fitting, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, you know, Habs leaf game seven uh, doesn't doesn't get much better than this. So uh, we're just happy to be, you know, back in uh, Toronto right now. You know, we, we've waited 40 years for the Leafs and, and Montreal to play in the playoffs. And it's, you know, fitting it goes down to game seven. It's just uh, exciting. Um, and you just, you really you can't wait for seven o'clock to come. As kids, we've all been through this scenario on our driveways playing road hockey in our basements playing mini sticks and, you know, these are the moments that as kids you, you dream of, and now to be able to live it out, it's it's exciting, and uh, it gives you a chance to rise to the challenge. So there it is. Mini sticks and road hockey. We're ready to go. Game seven, Leafs, Habs. All right, let's get to the match game, and it is pretty simple today, kids. We laid it out for you. Habs, Leafs, game seven has me blank. Once again, Habs, Leafs, game seven has me. We've left it wide yeah. open to interpretation Take it and run with it, kids. Let's hear some of the early entries into our match game, Jesse okay. Rubinoff. Here we go. Let's start it off with Finn Fan Mike. Habs Leafs Game 7 has me more nervous than the times in high school gym class when the coach was calling shirts and skins. Yeah, they don't do that anymore. No, they no, definitely they can't, they, they can't right now. No. <laughs> Not on Zoom. Uh, Dano <laughs> says... Habs Leafs Game 7 has me losing hair quicker than Tim McAuliffe. Hey. The obligatory, obligatory Tim McAuliffe hair joke. Yep. Uh, JJ says, has me upset with the Boston Bruins for some reason. <laughs> it's just a, it is a trigger. It's okay, JJ. It's understood. <laughs> Years past have triggered you. Whenever you get into this mode, you blame the Boston Bruins. Habs Leafs Game 7 has me setting up my living room with candles to have a seance tonight for the game going to try to calling up some players in Maple Leafs past 
to get them through this game seven. Need all the help they can get if you're asking the Leaf fans. Basquale, sure. there you Basquale. go. I'm in the uh, seance. Hobbs Leafs game seven has me making a rare Monday trip to the booze store. Either way, I want to be prepared. <laughs> Is the drink love- different depending on whether it's a, a win or a loss? I, I believe so. I also love that that tweet came from the uh, handle father of three. Father of three, yeah. <laughs> so, awesome. so, yeah, I mean, probably stress. Being a father of three, three doesn't drive you to drink. Yeah, exactly. The Leafs will. Exactly. Moving on. Hobbs Leafs Game 7 has me hoping for a bloodbath. Hashtag Go Jets Go. Yeah, we're getting a few of those without yeah. a doubt. Winnipeg just wanting to see these two go toe to toe. I mean, I, I, like, the Jets just resting on their laurels. Like, I mean, how about the Colorado Avalanche with a, a week off? They come up to just look like that in Game 1. Oh! Yeah, there was no rust there. My goodness. But they're Habs ridiculous. Leafs. Habs Leafs, game seven, has me. Feeling as nervous as watching Charlie Montoyo manage his bullpen <laughs> with a lead. Ooh. Is that uh, too soon? That's well no, I like the topical one. <laughs> like I we could have the argument, but we don't have time. I just I love the fact that it's topical. Oh, Habs Leafs Game 7. Yeah, last one. Habs Leafs Game 7 has me convinced this team needs to hire a priest or two for a department of demon exorcism. We're not hearing from a lot of uh, Habs fans right now. (laughs) We're hearing from a lot of Jets fans. We're hearing from a lot of fans that absolutely hate the Leafs. Want to hear from more Habs fans on the match game. Uh, We did ask the poll from earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, If you're a Leaf fan, are you enjoying the game tonight? Uh, and right now, the poll says 72% no. Again, 72% of Leaf fans aren't enjoying the game tonight. What are we doing here? It's not even, it's not, it's like, the, the wording is also hilarious. Like, enjoying, the, like, you watch sports to enjoy it. That's like, the whole point. Literally, that's the whole point. It's 72% of people are not enjoying the game. I get it. Some perspective. I don't know what the hell is that. <laughs> Still to come on this Game 7 edition of... Tim and friends, Chris Johnston and Sean McKenzie from Scotiabank Arena. Justin Bourne will join me in studio. Mark Savard on his Game 7 perspective. Plus up next, Jennifer Botterill from CBC. As we count it down, Game 7, Habs, Leafs, and don't get much better. Get alone here, and in. Nick Suzuki's won it, and we will have a Game 6. You know the funny thing about it? We're talking about just a one game. We took two out of three from the Yankees, two out of three from these guys, and we're talking about one bad inning. He'll delay to the slot, a shot. Travis Dermott lost it inside the line. Chance cut, can you me? Scores! And there will be a game seven Monday night. In McKinnon in stride, with speed, going to the net. We have a game seven. It's going to be crazy. We will go there, get the win, and get back home. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. 67. 25 hundred will feel like 25,000. Suzuki on that right flank again to Foley in the middle. Scores! Chance in front. Scores! Jason Spezza has cut the lead in half. Now Engvall, he'll play it across to Brody. Firing a 
Rodgers, T.J. Brody, let it fly! Back-to-back -back nights, we're going to overtime. Travis Dermott lost it inside the line. Chance cut, can you Scores! Yes, Perry, cut, can you And there will be a game seven. We will go there, get the win, and get back home. So awesome. Is that a guarantee from Kotkaniemi? Mm -hmm. huh? Habs in front of their fans forcing Game 7 tonight in Toronto. You can see it on Sportsnet and CBC. And today, Ontario reversing course and announcing that 500 or so fully vaccinated frontline healthcare workers will be attending the game one day after saying they wouldn't. Strong decisions. Here's Joe Thornton, Jason Spezza, and Sheldon Keefe on it. You know, it's, it's going to be fun to play in front of. I know it's only 500, but hopefully we'll build off this and uh, continue to get more people going forward. I think it's a great way to recognize the, the healthcare workers for uh, all the hard work that they've done to, to get us to this point where they're allowed to come in. And then as players, obviously, we enjoy playing in front of people. So uh, it's great to have uh, people in the building. What a terrific way to recognize um, healthcare workers, uh, frontline workers have given so much through this difficult uh, time we've all been going through here. I, I think it's wonderful. That was for the healthcare workers and Carey Price's record for Habs fans in all-time winner-go-home games. Now, some of this includes Team Canada. 6-2 and two record, 161 goals against average, 941 save percentage. The guy's good when the chips are down. Inspiring confidence in Eric Stahl and his cope. Coach Dom Ducharme. When you have someone like Kerry back there, it's it's huge. Uh, love the way he approaches the game. I've been with him obviously here, and then uh, you know a couple, you know, with the uh, other events, and and uh, just the way that he prepares, the way he uh, carries himself, it goes a long way for a group, and I think it's important. And you know, tonight he'll be no different, and and uh, we'll play try to play real well in front of him. He's been great. Uh, uh, he likes those moments. And, uh, you know, there's not much uh, else to say. He has been unreal. Uh, so is my first guest. Fresh off of a full weekend working the Secret Dream Gap Tour and the Stanley Cup playoffs. One of the hardest working women in show business drawing the short straw and joining us is Jen Pottero. <laughs> I know it's been busy, so thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. It's always great to see you, so thanks for having me on. Awesome. Appreciate it. I know uh, Game 7s weren't Olympics or World Championships for you, but a gold medal game is kind of sort of a Game 7. When you think of Game 7s, what comes to mind? Excitement, uh, certainly. I think a lot of anticipation, but for any elite athlete, whether it's on the international stage or in professional hockey, it's also embracing those moments. This is what you put all of the work and the effort into is to be in these moments. And so to not just get through those moments, but to really thrive. And I think that's really telling for the best of the best. When you can come through in these big moments and, and not just perform, but really perform to your peak potential. So I think it's that combination of 
intensity and focus, but just a little bit of that, that smile on your face. And, and even hearing Joe Thornton speak this morning, right? He says, we're going to enjoy this moment. And he's always has a nice, I think, um, perspective on it that yes, it's going to take uh, determination and effort, but also to, to embrace it and to enjoy the opportunity that's ahead of you. Okay, do you believe that coming from the leaves? <laughs> Listen, I grew up an average athlete, but lived that life. And I always said, oh, pressure is a privilege. And I'll say it a thousand times on this show, pressure is for those who get themselves in the spot to feel that sort of pressure. But it almost feels a little different for the Leafs. And like I heard Ben Sherratt's quote where he's talking about this is the greatest fun. And then every question the Leaf got hit with is pressure of the moment. They're 0-6 in elimination games where they can take out an opponent in the postseason. Do you think they feel that? Or do you think that room is galvanized, galvanized enough to not think of it, have the blinders on and go perform? Well, they've brought in uh, leaders to, to help with that and to help with their outlook. And, and it's so important for this Leafs team to, to live in the present moment, right? To not think about what, what's happened before or what the future holds. And I, for all of these athletes, right, to know that they're ready for it. And, and certainly the consensus and the comments from the Leafs is that that's where they're going to be in terms of their focus and, and how they want to play and how they want to perform. Uh, and so it's, it's about this moment for them and they're not going to uh, you know feel the pressure and that's key right to not feel like it's a burden on your shoulders but as an athlete you prepare for these moments so that you shift that around and you feel as though your fan base your community your organization is there to support you and sort of push you along instead of being an additional weight on top of your shoulders you could classify that as desperation and it feels like the Habs have been playing with that desperation. They get out to the 3-0 lead, of course, in Game 5. Game 6, they get out to a 2-0 lead that could have been much more had it not been for Jack Campbell, who played really well. And the stat for Game 7s is all-time in the NHL. If you score first, you go on to win the game 75% of the time. What have the Habs been doing well to get these real good starts of late? They have been, been doing really well. They've been uh, taking the puck to the net. That They don't uh, tend to be too too fancy in terms of overpassing and what we've seen in, in many of the games in this series uh, certainly in the last few is is for them getting the pucks to the net early and getting traffic they have players that aren't afraid uh, I mean Perry's a great example of another yeah. experienced player on their roster who's been physical who's been taking the pucks to the net and creating you know those goals and those scoring chances uh, so that's the key I mean both teams know that hey this is an exciting game right they're looking forward to it but as you mentioned that's that start to the game um, is so important so I imagine there will be great pace uh, and great intensity right from puck drop okay so I keep if I hear the term greasy goal again I might puke but we, we understand what it is we understand how they're doing it some of the criticisms of Leaf team pasts or, or least teams of the past, has been that they don't do that. They don't go down to the spots where you can get those greasy goals. And, and maybe even if you were to take it a step further, um, sacrifice enough to go to those spots. Do you think that's a fair criticism of this team? 
Well, I don't think their their focus is, is worrying or, or being concerned about things in the past. I think really their entire conversation and their focus is about this game. And they, they've spoken, you know, leading up to this game seven, that they have been resilient. They've faced uh, different challenges. They've faced injuries uh, this season. And for them, coming out on top of that. And that's what uh, is unique about this team in terms of the personalities, in terms of the character, in terms of overcoming adversity and coming through and performing well. And, and for them, that's the approach. They know that Montreal will also come out, that they have depth on their, their team and their roster as well. But the, the communication within that Leafs roster, um, and, and, and it seems to be contagious, is, is that belief that they've gone through different things this season. And in turn, that's prepared them for this moment in this Game 7. If you were going into a Game 7 and I said you get all the skill or the better goalie, which one do you take? <laughs> oh, trick question. <laughs> I mean, oh, see, I was a forward, so I always like to watch the skill. Right. Uh, but goaltending um, is, I mean, it's such a huge factor. But that's why this series has been so great that, yes, Price has been outstanding, but so has Campbell. They've both made some some tremendous saves um, in key moments in the games. Uh, and that's why, hey, that's why we're here, right? That's why we're in game seven. It's amazing to think, like, Jack Campbell has a better save percentage than uh, Carey Price does. But, like, chips down, I feel like Carey Price has had the better series. Well, and you know what, he coming into this too, right? I mean, everybody knows how, how dependable he's been, and Montreal knows that they feel confident with him in terms of his composure in net and his past experience. But look at Campbell's season as well. I mean, there's a, a look at, at Carey Price and, and how he's done, but I mean, Campbell's also had a, a tremendous run this regular season, and his personality is appreciated by his teammates. Uh, so that's just an interesting dynamic, too, that they want to play well in front of him um, because they believe that he deserves to have success as well. Without a doubt. Okay, uh, Jen Botterill. Ron McLean comes to you and says, Jen, the key to this game is going to be blank. What do you say? Finishing on those chances. So whether it's a pass or a shot or a huge save, I feel like it's, it's finishing on, on those chances and those moments that you have. Uh, Jen, thank you very much. Really appreciate you taking the time and doing with this. Always. My pleasure. My pleasure. All right. Be well. There is Jen Botterill at the CBC and Sportsnet. Uh, I guess it's the CBC Studios, NHL on Sportsnet. Ah, it doesn't really matter. She'll be on tonight. The game is on CBC and Sportsnet, and she will be part of the coverage. Game 7, Leafs, Habs. All right, here's what's going on in the rest of the sports world. We're going to get back to Game 7 without a doubt. We've got a line of guests. But there's another hockey game going on tonight. Game 2 of the East Division Final between the Islanders and the Bruins goes at 7.30 Eastern on Sportsnet 1. Fitting that Boston is playing tonight, too. No? The Bees uh, lead the series one Cobb after David Pasternak had a hat trick in Game 1 in front of 18,000 fans at TD Garden on Saturday. Meanwhile, in the West Final, Nathan McKinnon and the Avs made it look easy in Game 1 against the Golden Knights, winning 7-1. McKinnon scored twice, highlight real stuff, and now has eight goals in five playoff games. Colorado is looking like the best team in the league, and it's not looking close. 
Speaking of tough to beat, Andre Vasilevsky stopped 37 of 38 shots as the Lightning beat the Canes 2-1 in Game 1 of the Central Division Final. Meanwhile, as mentioned with Jen Botterill, Montreal's team Bauer beat Toronto's team Sonnet 4-2 to claim the Secret Cup on Sunday in the finale of the Canadian leg of the Dream Gap Tour in Calgary. Marie-Philippe Poulain, who else led the way for Montreal? Three points, including the game winner. Told you last week, this woman is camel clutch. She comes through in the clutch. Poulain was also the tournament's leading scorer, 11 points in five games. In baseball, Blue Jays were three outs away from a three-game sweep in Cleveland, but a disastrous seventh inning and a seven-inning game cost them the second game of Sunday's doubleheader and put Charlie Montoyo's decision-making on the hot seat. Tyler Chatwood walked four straight batters to force in the tying run before Montoyo brought in Anthony Castro. He gave up a game-winning sacrifice fly. Jays fans irate with the bullpen management, and Montoyo was on the defensive after the game. You know the funny thing about it? We're talking about just the one game. We took two out of three from the Yankees, two out of three from these guys, and we're talking about one bad inning. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, maybe we could have taken him out. Yeah, all that stuff. But he's one of our best relievers. We, you got to trust somebody one time and, you know, let him get out of trouble. But, again, it was a great road trip. We did an outstanding job. Two out of three, two out of three. Doesn't get any better than that. Of course, we could have swept. If we, you know, we got one more out, one, three more outs, but didn't work out that way. Doesn't get any better than that, of course. We, we could have swept. <laughs> yeah, that, that is the better part of it. All right, listen. Uh, he is going to be under the gun. People are going to be watching the way this goes. And sometimes you can't have it both ways. You can't have the guy that keeps the kids on track and then have the great bullpen manager. Uh, I don't know that that's the case with Charlie Montoyo. going to be interesting to watch. Jay's back in action tomorrow as they host the Marlins in their home opener in Buffalo. Meanwhile, in the NBA, Chris Paul and the Suns have even their series with the Lakers at two apiece. And here's where it gets real interesting. Anthony Davis forced to leave the game with a groin strain. According to reports, it's unlikely AD will play in tomorrow's game five as the pressure builds on LeBron and the defending champs. Could the Suns pull this off? Meanwhile, in Boston, the Nets' big three look unstoppable against the undermanned Celtics, but the bigger story was another ugly fan incident. This time, Celtics fan throws a water bottle at Kyrie Irving as he exited the court. The fan has been criminally charged and banned for life from the TD Garden. Come on. Finally, French Open underway in Paris. Bianca Andreescu was eliminated in the first round today, losing an extremely tight match. 7-6-6-7-9-7 to Slovenia's Tamara Zdancic, ranked 85th in the world. Number one seed Naomi Osaka made big news. She announced that she was withdrawing from the tournament. Osaka, who said last week she would no longer be speaking to the media after matches, was fined $15,000 after her first round victory on Sunday. Today, she put out a statement on social media saying that she was pulling out to focus on her mental health and revealed that she's been battling depression and anxiety. Osaka said she would take some time away from the court, but also said she's willing to work with the tour to discuss how they can make things better for the players and the media moving forward. Knock on wood, hopefully we get there real quick because that is a darn shame. She is one of the most exciting players on planet Earth. All right. 
after the break, we head outside the rink. Sean McKenzie standing by as 500 frontline healthcare workers will be in the building tonight. Great news. We'll also get back to the match game. Habs Leafs game seven has me blank. Send them in at Tim and friends. We'll get to a few of the best next on this game seven countdown show. Rob McLean, 630 right here on Sportsnet. Another heartbreak in Boston for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Another big Bruin comeback. And this series is over. Boston moves on. And this one is over. History repeats itself. The Boston Bruins beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in Game 7 again. Leafs bubble has been popped for the fourth straight year. The core group of players go out in the first round of the playoffs. Hey, Toronto Maple Leafs have one more chance to exercise the playoff demons of the past, but if they can't, it might be the most heartbreaking of them all. Here's Leafs head coach Sheldon Keefe ahead of his first NHL Game 7. I've coached in a number of Game 7s and elimination games uh, before throughout uh, my career. In fact, I was reminded this this morning I had... uh, had somewhat forgotten that uh, the year we won the Calder Cup with the Marlies, we we had we best of five first round. We we were up two nothing in the series and lost two two to to force a game five on home ice in, in the first round and um and that was a pretty anxious time. But we found our way through that. Went on to win the Calder Cup. But just another reminder that these first rounds are an absolute battle. Um, but you know, from the time I arrived here this morning. I've really just been focused and been in a groove here in terms of uh, preparing our team to play, not unlike any other game. And, and our, our our routine this morning was not unlike any other game that we've had. And uh, just excited about preparing our team um, for what's going to be a fun night. It's, it's an incredible opportunity for our team to just meet this head on and find our way to the other side of it. 550 fully vaccinated frontline healthcare workers will be in the building for Game 7 in Toronto. The scene certainly felt electric on Saturday night in Montreal. And yes, you were right, my dude. 2,500 did feel like 25,000. And the atmosphere outside before the game. Sean McKenzie joins me now from Scotiabank Arena. He was among his people out in front in Montreal. What did it feel like, Sean, just to be kind of back in albeit a smaller but similar atmosphere that we used to have. I, I, it was amazing. I think that's the first word that came to my mind when I got to the Bell Centre and saw the fans and started interacting with a few. And I, I was driving to Montreal and I thought, you know, this is going to be cool. It's going to be different. It's going to be something that, you know, I haven't experienced in a year. And I think when I got there, I didn't realize how much I missed it and, and just how much it kind of it hit you. I don't want to say it was emotional, but in a lot of ways it was emotional to, to see fans yelling at each other, to hear the cheering and just to go into the building and hear them sing the anthem. And uh, it, it was special. And obviously, you know, it's not the same atmosphere here because patios aren't open, so you don't have the same amount of people buzzing around the city. But there's still just a, a little bit of outside noise here. Some fans lingering around, some chants. And uh, I can't bring up outside noise without thinking of what the Leafs are going through right now, and that's trying to block out the outside noise. It's a lot. It's a lot of pressure on the Maple Leafs considering their past playoff failures. It's a lot of pressure on Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner as people demand more from them. But the message, as you just heard from Sheldon Keefe, was not to focus on the past, not to dwell on the negative negativity. In fact, they're embracing it. Everyone that we spoke to over the last few days from the Maple Leafs made it very clear that this is what 
they built for. This is why they went through the regular season. They're confident. They're not thinking about anything else. And Joe Thornton said he woke up this morning and was just excited. He said they are exactly where they need to be. I know it can be tough to tell in these days, but does it feel like the? Maybe I'm focusing on the Ben Sherratt clip where, like, this is the most fun you'll have you know, game seven, but does it feel like the Habs are a looser group heading into this game? And do we know if that's a good thing? Yeah, I think they rightfully should be. They're coming off a game on Saturday night where they faced elimination. They once again staved it off. They had fans. They, they, they won a massive game and now they have the Maple Leafs corner. And I mean that in the way that they were once again, the team that came into the playoffs as the underdog, they came into a series that everyone was writing them off. And now we've seen the tables turn. In fact, lots of people are quick to write off the Leafs and say, well, here we go again. They're going to lose. So the Montreal Canadiens, I don't think are taking this for granted. I don't think they're coming in and saying, we don't care what happens. They want to win and they want to move on. But I think when you look at it, they've been the team that has come out and dominated the start of the last two games. They have Carey Price and Nett, who's been dominant. This should be fun for them. They forced game seven after being down 3-1 in this series against the top team in the North Division. If this isn't fun for them, I, I don't know what is. And I think going into tonight, I'm no expert, but I play one on TV. I think it's the Leafs that are feeling the pressure and the Habs are coming in here pretty loose. Uh, always fun catching up with you, Sean. And listen, I wish I had this problem, but you're losing the right side of your lettuce right now. <laughs> if you want, I can send down some yellow life brand gel, maybe some dippity do. Can we get you hooked up? I... I need like I need to get the hair a little crunchier because right now it is just it I it's it's a mess I gotta say this pandemic is killing me like at first it was a fun excuse like I can let my hair grow this is cool and now I'm just like I want to go full Timmy I'm just gonna get rid of this thing pick it down shine it's, it up and well uh, it, it's a look it's a it's a lot easier to maintain I will tell you that but the the mullets are in style my friend you're looking good thanks for doing this it's. It's an unintentional mullet, okay? It's a stylized mullet. Let's be you. honest here. I got you. Be well, buddy. Thanks for doing this. Thank, thanks, Tim. There is Sean McKenzie at Scotiabank Arena covering Game 7 between the Leafs and the Habs. Don't know if you heard Leafs-Habs Game 7 tonight, Sportsnet and CBC. Now, off the top, we talked about how fragile Leaf fans are heading into Game Number 7. I'm not sure anyone reps that fan base harder than one Steve Dangle. And let me tell you, he, along with the thousands that watched him and the game live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel, were fine. Just fine in game number six. Sorry, what's that? Oh, they weren't fine. They were not not even close. No, no. Oh, no! You have all the time in the world, Mitch! Yes! 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 Oh, oh no. Oh, Dermot. The Leafs gave them one thing, one bloody thing in that overtime. And we're going to game seven. I honestly can't believe it. Here you go. You're getting it. Here's me losing my mind about the Toronto Maple Leafs. What up, 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 Steve? It's a little ridiculous. Did you watch the overtime? Yes, I did. And they lost. The Toronto Maple Leafs are haunted, legitimately haunted. I can't believe, I cannot believe we're going seven here. 
So good. If you want to watch Game 7 with Steve tonight, simply go to Sportsnet's YouTube page, buckle your safety belt, and enjoy the ride. By the way, the analysis was fantastic. They gave them one thing in overtime. Yeah. They gave them one, two shots in overtime. And Kakanyemi, all he needed was the one. Uh, and we got ourselves a Game 7. Uh, we went with the match game today. Jesse Rubinoff in studio helping me out. Habs Leafs Game 7 has me blank. Once again, we left it wide open for people to be creative and come through in style. What do we got? Let's do it. Habs Leafs Game 7 has me. Troy says, more nervous than a turkey around Thanksgiving. Yeah. Difficult time yeah. for turkeys. Understood. Thanksgiving. Right. Habs Leafs Game 7 has me. Shaking like I have a two-foot putt to break 95. Golf's <laughs> back in case you didn't mine's know. Not, mine's 90, but not far off. I'll be the same way. Habs Leafs game seven has me hoping the Leafs can go up 4-1 in the third, only to lose 5-4. Don't think that's a Leafs fan. <laughs> nope. But I think there are a lot of people across Canada who will be yeah. smiling if the Leafs are up 4-1 at any point. No doubt about yeah. that. Habs Leafs game seven has me thinking that at all 32 teams in the NHL, I chose the Leafs. As my team. How many people, if they do get up 4-1, say this is the toughest lead in hockey or make the joke? Like, I don't know if I even want to see it just because Twitter will go with people making 4-1 jokes. Yeah, it's like that narrative needs to end. <laughs> it's enough already. Uh, Habs Leafs Game 7 has me. More nervous than Dr. Nick Riviera performing open heart surgery. Uh-oh. Very nice. Habs Leafs Game 7 has me. Feeling like 1993. I will say this, Ooh. man. The last two OT wins. Remember back, kids. That team in 93 had that overtime magic. 10. 10 on their way to the cup. Uh, we'll see if they can continue it. We will continue your match game. Send them in right now. Half an hour to go before we hand it over to Hockey Central. Justin Bourne joins me in studio. Plus, we get back to the rank and check in with Chris Johnston. And Mark Savard will join us. He with plenty of Game 7 experience. It's on its way. And it's live right here on Sportsnet. Stay tuned, please. It's our livelihood. Merci beaucoup, Sheepdogs. We waited 42 years for the Leafs and Habs to meet in the postseason. Now we're just about an hour away from game number seven. 30 minutes from Ron McLean and Hockey Central, who will take over on Sportsnet at 6.30 Eastern with Leafs Nation pregame on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, again at 6.30 Eastern. Canadians and Leafs, game seven, Sportsnet and CBC tonight. Joe Thornton has played in eight game sevens in his career and he says Leafs are ready yeah we, we played all season long to have this opportunity to play at home for game seven so um it's been a resilient group all year long um and the guys are ready they'll be ready tonight all right we wanted to give you lineup news ahead of game seven from the halves but Dominic Ducharme just hinting that they'll stay the same as game six while it was not great news on Jake Muzzin this morning Injured in game six, here's Sheldon Keefe on Muzzin. Yeah, Jake's got a lower body injury. It's it's going to keep him out a uh, minimum of three weeks. So 
obviously we, we've got to press on without him here. Uh, Sandino go in, uh, no other foods. So Rasmus Sandin in from another encouraging sign for John Tavares and Elise as he took part in the team's optional morning skate. He will not play tonight, but everyone just happy with the progress that he's making and to see him back on the ice and recovering. Here's Jason Spezza. Well, we all know how hard John works and how much he cares. And uh, by us winning this game tonight, it gives him a chance to potentially come back and play. So uh, that's just another feather in our cap and a reason why we want to win this game today. So uh, John's a big part of this. To see him on the ice is great. He's making great progress. Uh, just being around him in the last few days, he's, he's in great spirits. And uh, the best thing we can do as teammates is win a hockey game for him and give him an opportunity to get closer to playing. Meanwhile, former Leaf Nazem Kadri's appeal of his eight-game suspension has been denied by Commissioner Gary Bettman. However, Kadri will appeal a second time. This will be heard by an independent arbiter. Arbiter? Arbitrator? Eh, either way. That ruling will then be binding. Kadri has served three of the eight games so far. And let's be honest, the Avs don't look like they miss him yet. In fact, they look unbelievable uh joining me in studio to uh, further the conversation on the leafs attempting to win their first series in 17 years one month and 11 days is justin Bourne. justin we'll also talk a lot of halves here so i don't want to make it just about right. the leaves but they've been waiting for a while before we do what's Kadri appealing <laughs> like that he didn't brain the guy with his elbow i think what he's appealing is that not many people get the eight game suspension okay but it's just him and Tom Wilson at this point. Right. Maybe he's appealing, <laughs> hey, Tom Wilson only got a $5,000 fine yeah. for ragdolling. Can you do something like that with me? Yeah, could I do the 5K thing? That sounded <laughs> yeah. pretty sweet. That's right. a cushy deal. Let's walk down that road. Can yeah. we do that? Uh, but I think the people who are saying, well, it's a little too much, forget Tom Wilson's 20-game suspension Yeah. the last time around. No, ridiculous. He's been through it before. Uh, I thought he deserved it. Um, also watching those clips, can you honestly tell yourself that Joe Thornton's beard is not limiting his ability to play hockey at this point? <laughs> it's out in front of it. He's like a dog wearing a cone at this point. It has to be messing with his peripheral. <laughs> he's, not a, he's not allowed to lick any parts of his body <laughs> no. that was happening here. No, I would limit Brad Marchand. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Um, that's, I mean, listen, you're, you're not supposed to be looking down if you're a National that. Hockey League hockey player, right? Surely that is affecting his ability to see the puck. Maybe greasy goals out in front where you're just trying to shovel something in, you're looking down. Maybe it cushions the blows you take to your face. I don't know what the point is. That's absurd. Wasn't it Kadri who grabbed a full hand yeah. of that? <laughs> and tied it all together there nicely. Yes. Um, I was always told that pressure is a privilege. I brought this up with the Jen Botterill, but it doesn't exactly feel that way for the Leafs right now. Do you think that they're in that mindset? I know as professional athletes, you're pushed to make sure that you don't let that stuff in. But it's got to be hard, no? Yeah. I, you know, I think if you're a team, uh, like a fan of a team that's been bad for a long time, and you're saying, all we want to do is just put us in a game that matters. I just want to feel something that's been so long, then this feels like a privilege. Once you become a privileged person and right. you've lived the privileged life, life now yeah. the Leafs have been in the playoffs and in game sevens, it, they're over it. This is not fun anymore. Now it is business and they have an obligation to perform. There is massive pressure on the Leafs today. And I, to be honest, I don't love the way that Keith's like, there's no pressure. There's no, yes, there's pressure. There's the, it's, uh, forget the privilege, all that. Like They have to get this done or you know, heads start to roll. That's how it goes. All right, so let's, uh, let's talk about the key. If you were to be asked, you're sitting on the table, Ron McLean's do going through the panel, and he says, Justin Bourne, what's the key to this game? You say, 
Well, first off, you need Jack Campbell to just stay Jack Campbell, how he's been. So that's the key. If he's not the same as he's been, if he's bad, doesn't even matter. But after that, it's Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. Like, I know that's cliche, but, like, there's no secrets left. The best players are the best players. Everyone knows each other's systems. Everyone knows who's matching up against who. If you don't put the puck in the net as the guys who make $20 million, it's falling on your shoulders. Austin Matthews is not getting traded, or there's going to be no heat or minimal heat around him. It's going to fall on Mitch Marner, who would hit 18 games without a goal in the postseason if he doesn't score tonight. All right, so there's Justin Bourne's opinion on the key to the game. I don't disagree a hell of a lot. Let's head back <laughs> down to the rank. Chris Johnson, who has spent an awful uh, lot of time covering this Leafs team. Uh, can you get a grasp from 200 feet away in the arena or on Zoom calls on how each team is feeling heading in, Chris? A little bit. You know, watching the morning skate, certainly today, the, the Canadians were kind of loose and hooping and hollering a little bit, making some noise, and, and it was much more businesslike on the Leafs' end of things. You know, I don't think that should come as a big surprise. One team has a heck of a lot to lose. The other is, is kind of, you know, just here, uh, you know, happy where it's got to and, and is playing a little bit with house money, although I'm sure if the Canadians were to lose this game, they'd be disappointed as well. So, you know, I, the, the Leafs seem pretty tight, and I think that's expected. You know, I, I do think they'll get a small emotional boost, quite honestly, even from 550 fans. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but it certainly made a difference for Montreal uh, in game six. And, and, you know, I think a key, if, if you're looking for it, is, is a good start for Toronto because that's something getting behind uh, in, in the last two games, I think, is, has, has sort of hurt their ability to close out this series. CJ, the absence of Muzzin is no small story to me. How do you expect the Leafs to allocate their de-ice time? Like, I know that it's Sandine with Hall at this point and Dermot Bogosian. Who do you expect to see more ice? I, I think Dermot Bogosian will probably see more ice. And, and, you know, that might not have been the case given the way overtime ended. And it was, you know, Travis Dermot on, on uh, a turnover there uh, prior to Jesperi Kakaniemi's goal. But, you know, you're, you're dealing right now with... with kind of a challenging situation, right? Rasmus Sandin's taken out of the lineup in this series because of some mistakes he's made. You know, Travis Dermott made that mistake in the last game. you got to have two of those in your top six. I think ultimately, uh, you know, Zach Bogosian's actually played quite well in this series, you know, coming off an injury and jumping right back into the playoffs. Uh, you know, you'll see a lot of TJ Brody, and I think they're just going to try to patch it together is, is what, I, what I think. And, and, you know, it's a little bit like we saw the, the Canadians last game. They basically played four defensemen for the third period in overtime. I do think if it's a close game when it gets late, you're just not going to see a, a nearly as much of Sandine and Dermot on the ice. We've heard a lot about greasy goals in the last little while. And, heck, I, I mean, if you probably laid them out, the Montreal Canadiens have scored seven of their nine goals in the last couple of games, driving hard to the net or pushing and shoving in front. Um, is this something that the Leafs can counter, or are they just going to have to live with this? I, uh, you, counter it how? In terms of keeping greasy goals going in against them, or can they score yeah. them themselves? Yeah, or, I mean, I'll take either or if you're a Leafs fan. <laughs> However, I just mean defensively with Dermot and Sandine now in the lineup, uh, are they a little overmatched? I don't know if I'd say overmatch, but it's going to be a little greasier than it was at the start of the series. I think when Toronto was having a lot of success, you know, they allowed just the one goal in those games three and four in Montreal. You know, they were boxing out really well and, and not allowing Montreal to, to really get into those areas where those goals were coming from. You know, I, I don't see that being as easy of a thing to do. You know, part of that too, let's face it, this series uh, included a back-to-back game. They played a lot of uh, hockey in this series, and I think yeah. some of the, the physical toll probably catches up on the defensemen too, because Montreal pretty aggressive on the forecheck, finishing their checks. So, you know, I, it's a long way of saying I, I think Jack Campbell's probably going to have to contend with a bit of traffic uh, one way or another. And, 
you know, it's probably why Justin was right when he pointed him out as the main key for Toronto because they, they need him to, to stand tall to give them a chance to find their legs in this game. Do you expect uh, to see any line shuffling here? Like, I know Sheldon Keith is no... Uh... He's not the type of guy to leave tricks in his bag. Let's put it that way. Last year we saw, you know, the top three was Tavares, Matthews, Marner, Andreas Janssen drew back in. What are you expecting from the way he uses those guys? Namely, I want to know about Willie Nylander, a guy who's playing 16, 17 minutes and playing very well. Yeah, you know, I, I think Nylander probably goes back with Kerfoot and Galchenyuk uh, just because of the, you know, that was the line that was really buzzing earlier in the series. And, you know, I think one thing that Sheldon Keefe wondered is by, you know, bringing Nick Foligno in in game six, playing him as a second line center, that that, that might have disrupted some of, you know, the good things that he had going on on that unit. I think it likely points to to Nick Foligno then, you know, falling to, to the third line, maybe even the fourth line. And, and that probably makes sense too. I mean, look, he, he didn't look like a guy anywhere near 100% in that game wasn't moving very well on the ice you know coming back from his you know missing three games with his own injury so you know I think there will be shuffling there but um, you know maybe a couple more shifts throughout the game uh, with Nylander on the top line with Marner and Matthews and you're right if things don't go well Sheldon Keefe will probably have about 12 different line combinations throughout this game. CJ how do the Leafs change the narrative besides winning this game like what what's the key to getting this game under their belt and moving on for the first time since 2004 oh I think they gotta win man like I I don't (laughs) see a moral victory here you know I I guess like you know the circumstances could play out they could outshoot Montreal 40 to 18 and lose you know Carey Price has one of these magical games I mean that's possible and and then it would be hard to be too critical but then we would all point to the fact they put themselves in a situation where they could allow that that type of thing to play out and so I think the only way you bury the narrative or or push it aside is to to knock the door down to to win this game to to play into the second round later this week and and and, you know, not have that, that big number, you know, hanging over the, the core group of players that they're 0-6 so far in, in potential elimination games. They can't allow that to go to 0-7. CJ, always love chatting hockey with you. Thanks for doing this, man. It's awesome. Great to see people walking in the doors behind me. It's, uh, we're getting a little closer, guys. Getting a wee Thanks, bit CJ. closer, a wee bit closer. Thanks, CJ. Uh, 550 fully vaccinated healthcare workers will be in the building tonight. Uh, not the 2,500 that they had in Montreal, but a wee bit of a step. I, I thought it interesting that you brought up the Nylander, and, and herein lies uh, the balance. Philip Dano and his line have done a great job against Matthew and Marner. And the reason why I feel like Spezza has two more goals than Marner and Matthews combined and why William Nylander has the four is because they haven't seen that line. Is there some sort of balance that Sheldon Keefe has to kind of keep? Because I saw Nylander play with Marner's and Matthews and you thought, wow, will this work? And it hasn't thus far. Yeah. No, it's a really good point. It reminds me of uh, earlier in the year when Paul Maurice talked about Nikolai Ehlers, who was just all he was doing was scoring goals. And the media was asking him, what's with 16, 17 minutes for this guy? And he's like, look, we've watched him play. We know who he plays best against. We get him out there against the guys he's going to perform best against. And I think that's the same thing with Nylander. They don't want to see him up against the best checking line. They want to see him against some guys with some weaknesses and hopefully exploit them there. So I think people are always going to be unhappy with how he's used because he's looks effective, but he looks effective in the way he's being deployed. If you change how he's being deployed, I'm not sure you're going to like the results so much. Outside of Carey Price, who's the MVP from what you've seen from Montreal side of things? 
Well, you know, it's a great question because they, they haven't had any notable standouts, yeah. so it probably is Philip Deneau because they're keeping Matthews and Marner off the board. That, at the end of the day, that was the whole thing is can you beat that line? And by the way, a J.D. A Bunkus on Good Show today was like, that's the guy you have to beat. No one feels bad for you for Matthews. So, you know, you, you got out there against Philip Deneau. You're right. supposed to be able to handle that, but he hasn't handled it well enough unless you look at advanced analytics, but people are tired of that. Score the goals, win the games. Well, but that's, I mean, that's part of the equation is that he's gotten a lot of chances and it's not just Philip Deneau. He's had the shots on goal. It's Carey Price. Right. It's Philippe Deneau and Carey Price. And the underlying analytics, like, I get when people push back against that. But if he's buzzing the entire game and you see it, that's different than if he's not getting into the offensive zone. Very much so. And you know what? I think in games one and two when he didn't score, I was like, man, he looks fantastic. He's, right. he's all over it. Um, I'm sorry. I think he had his, his one goal in the second game. But yeah. early on when he hadn't scored, I, I thought he had looked great. I haven't seen the same sort of dynamic pop. And I am curious to see what Keith does. And I asked CJ about that, about him shuffling lines, because I've seen him do it in the American League where things get tense and they, they make major changes at the last minute. Uh, we both said it felt good. CJ said it felt good. The 550 frontline workers making their way into Scotiabank Arena. And uh, there will be a crowd tonight. Not a huge one, but there will be a crowd and salute to the healthcare workers who continue to do yeoman's work. Uh, all right, taking the break. When we come back, game seven right around the corner, leaves Habs. It's here on Sportsnet. Welcome back to Tim and Friends, Justin Bourne, Jesse Rubinoff, as we continue to get you set for Game 7 between the Habs and the Leafs on Sportsnet. Kyle Dubas, all he can do is pace. Less than an hour away from the opening face-off. How you feeling, Leafs fans? How you feeling, Habs fans? Plenty of anxiety around the Toronto faithful, but after Saturday's loss, Nick Foligno said the team needs to block out that noise. That's the advice that you take into these games. And don't worry about what the fans are saying. Don't, it doesn't matter. We've worked all year. These guys have worked all year. I've joined them to, to come through this. You know, you can, this happens for a reason. Sometimes this is what catapults you. And, uh, you know, it, it's hard for the fan base to hear right now. And, but we're going to come and, and have the mindset that we're going to win a hockey game. And, and, you know, I think with the odds with this team, uh, you know, that's, that's what's going to get done. It is always that fine line. And I keep going back to the Lars Eller goal in double overtime against Columbus in the first round, down 2 nothing. Parish shin pads and in, and all of a sudden the Caps are Stanley Cup champions. Sometimes it can be that little thing that sends you on your way. Uh, all right, let's wrap up the match game. Jesse Rubinoff, the match game today, Habs-Leafs game seven has me blank. Once again, Habs-Leafs game seven has me blank as we are under 10 minutes away from Ron McLean. Before I read a couple, I just want to point out uh, hashtag Tim and Friends, number six, trending in Canada at the moment. Still time left in the show to 6.30. Yeah, I believe, it up there. I believe that might be the match game, so let's get a few out there. Let's do it. Uh, first one, Habs Leafs game seven has me making sure my defibrillator is close to me the whole damn game. I could go for both teams. Yeah. Understood, yeah. <laughs> Habs Leafs Game 7 has me as a Habs fan wanting a win, but it also costing us a Mark Bergevin contract <laughs> extension. <laughs> oh, oh, 
tough. That is tough. Habs leaves game seven has me as a Bruins fan wanting the most heartbreaking loss possible for either team. <laughs> At least no he didn't kidding. specify. There's no just kidding. general heartbreak. <laughs> just wants to see massive <laughs> yeah. general heartbreak. Understood. Habs leaves game seven has me scratching my head as to why and how this is actually happening. Assuming that's a Leaf fan. Yeah. <laughs> could be could be Dubas. Could be, <laughs> yeah, that, that could be Dubas as well. <laughs> Got any more, Jesse? Uh, no, that's it. Tim. All right. Uh, it seems as though we're struggling a wee bit to get to um, Mark Savard. It's it's funny because we, we sent out a, a, a poll earlier today and said, as a Leafs fan, are you enjoying tonight? And right now we're about that. 72% saying no. <laughs> and one of the responses I got was Paul Zang, like, who said yes? They could be up three and we're still not comfortable. No. Like, this is the spot that Leafs and Leafs fans are in. Yeah. And you know what this reminds me of? Seeing Kyle Dubas in that little video there, just like rubbing his hands, pacing, pulling his hair out. Uh, I remember him saying to me once that the farther you are from the action, the more painful it is. And fans, yeah. by the way, that's you, the farthest from the action. So you're a player, you're on the ice, you can control it, you can go hit someone, you can pour it out. A coach can like give that energy to the team. That's possible. The manager, nothing left to do. At least you could talk to someone, give them a piece of advice. But the fans, what fun is this? This is just miserable fandom it's funny because we've had a lot of like yelling and screaming on twitter over the last little while and a friend of mine said to me like this is because we have nothing else to do like ontario's on lockdown other parts of canada are in different stages of this this is what you have so this you think it'd be different this angst for the leafs yeah i think it's a little i like listen Everything with the Leafs is over the top. I think it's a little more over the top, sure. given the fact that they're on lockdown and fans, all they have to do is watch tonight. Like, the numbers suggested, it was 4.6 million average on the weekend, Saturday night, for Leafs Habs. That's not including TVA in Quebec. It's an unbelievable number, and you wonder what it's going to be tonight. You know what's super weird is during the whole pandemic, when we were all at home, sports viewing numbers went down. Yes. Like people didn't watch the Masters or the Kentucky mm-hmm. Derby or, or anything nearly as much, and that made no sense to me. This, this I get. This <laughs> yeah, I understand. Me, this me makes too. Sense. All right, Justin Bourne in studios. Dad Bob played a few game sevens, and so did our next guest before handing it off to Ron McLean. I really wanted to get a feel of what it's like to head out with the season on the line, so we dialed up our old friend Mark Savard, who played uh, in three as a player and has coached in a couple. Savvy, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Tim. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been too long, my friend. So let, let me just ask you straight up. And I know it didn't go terribly well for you, but what goes through a player's mind or what do you hope goes through a player's mind lacing them up for a Game 7 uh, in a rivalry like we're about to see? Well, I mean, I, I grew up in Ottawa and, and, you know, my dad was a Habs fan and I was a Leafs fan. And he always played road hockey, you know, playing that Game 7. You hear it all the time. And, the funny thing is, when you did score in road hockey in Game 7, it's like, ah, that didn't count, let's go again. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, everybody's been through it, and it's, it's so much fun, but it's so exciting. And it's really tough, though, when you're actually in those Game 7s to control your emotions. There's a lot of emotions. Everybody's running high. You know, you don't want to make a mistake, and you've you got to go out there and just give it all. So, it's going to be exciting tonight. I'm as excited as you guys are to watch it. So you, you were in three of them. Did you feel like you got better at being in a Game 7? As you mentioned, the, the emotions seem hard to manage, but did you improve over the Game 7s mm-hmm. at figuring out how to harness that? Yeah, you, you did, but 
you, you never know what's going to happen. There's so many different, you know, breaks in the game and, and you, you prepare yourself to play, you know, a regular game, but it's just not the same. And, you know, I can remember, you know, vividly the, I can remember playing the Carolina Hurricanes and we lost in game seven. It was that one where uh, Scott Walker knocked out Aaron Ward on a blindside punch and he ends up scoring the overtime winner when he should have been kicked out of the game and it was quite the turn of events. But it, it, it's just, you can always prepare yourself mentally but when you get out there, it's just a whole different thing. It'll be a different different situation without the crowd too, because the crowd does play a huge factor. And I and I'm glad the Leafs are letting in that you know the workers have done so much for us through this pandemic, and hopefully they can bring some energy. But it's still not going to be the same. But again, it, it's a huge moment, and, and Toronto being at home, it should be a bit of an advantage still. It's interesting, Savvy. I I love the line of questioning from Justin, but. As a coach, did it change your view on how you go into a game seven when you did it with the Blues? It, it you know, it, 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 you're still excited. You're still that kid inside you. But again, you can't have you know such a such a you know you can't do something in the outcome of the game because you're not out there. You can't feel as much part of it. But again, as a coach, you know you direct traffic as good as you can. Get the guys in the best possible pitch situation to help the team win. But again, it's, it's not quite the same, Tim. You know, you want to be out there, and you can't do as much, but you can do as much as you can behind the bench, I guess. Are you trying to keep them calm, though? Are you trying to keep them loose? Like, what's what's the what's the the mode that you go to in Game Seven? I'm always been a loose guy, yeah. keeping it loose, and and I think you know, teach their own. But uh, you know, I remember you know Craig Brube. You know, he was the same way, trying to keep the guys loose. You know, give that great speech before the game. And then just let them go, open the door, you know, put them in a situation, you know, where they're going to help the team win. But again, it's such an amazing feeling. And, and to have these two teams go out tonight, I can't wait. Savvy, do you think that when, when you see guys like Marner and Matthews not producing in a playoff series like this, how much of it do you think is like pressure and they can't handle playoffs versus just they're being tightly checked and keyed on a little bit more than they would be in the regular season? Well, it, it is a bit of both. You know, you're, you're obviously going to get checked harder. Guys are going to take that extra step to get back. As you know, I remember vividly uh, Anderson back checking on Marner the one game uh, on a two-on-one and getting his stick. I, I mean, these guys got to step up though. At the end of the day, you know, you know, Marner and Matthews have been so good all season long, and it, you got to bring it in playoffs. I mean, I, they obviously I'm a Bruins guy through and through, and I've watched those series carefully, and and they haven't really been there in in the crunch right now, and. This is a big one for them. This is a good time to, for them to turn some some people's you know thoughts around on them. And tonight's a great opportunity. I think they're going to give their best. They're going to have to be on that score sheet though for the Leafs to win. Uh, Savvy, great catching up with you. Thanks for doing this, man. Okay, guys, thanks for having me. Thanks, Mark. Uh, there is Mark Savard, who uh, is also the head of Project Ninety One, which is uh, concussion research. So if you want to check out p91shop.com. Uh, buy some merchandise. The money goes to concussion research, which is awesome. And Savvy's a good dude, giving us the Game 7 perspective. A lot of fans in spots like this talk about sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And I was talking about the greasy goals because of what I perceive to be sacrifice to go to those spots to score those greasy goals. Do you see it the same way? Yeah, there's an element of it. You know, the thing with this Leafs team is that, like, the best players are not that. 
right? Like yeah. Marner's not going to park it in the crease and do it. So there's an element of some of those guys have to make an effort to get there. But at the end of the day, man, the, you got to stick to what you're good at. And that's that's not this Leafs team. It's funny because those two goals that the Leafs scored in game six both deflected. Yeah. Right? Like, And it ends up being, you know, my dad always said, just put a puck on net. Yeah. You never know what will happen, and that's where the Leafs are at this Luck point. is going to shape a lot of narratives. Uh, that's how fine the line is. Listen, the Leafs have said throughout the regular season and the playoffs that this group is different. But for a couple of key pieces like Marner, Matthews, Nylander, and Riley, the memories remain. Can they defeat Les Glorieux and the Ghosts, or will they continue to be haunted by playoffs past? The beauty is we find out next. Game 7 is on Sportsnet. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Justin. Ron McLean. the stage is yours.